Yo. What's up, everybody? This is Josh coming to you with another episode of the Affiliate Marketing Show. Please be sure to like, follow, and subscribe to stay up to date on all the latest affiliate marketing news, tips, and trends. I'm Josh from OfferVault.com, the industry's number one aggregator of all things affiliate marketing. If you need help with affiliate marketing, make sure you check out OfferVault.com. We also have, as usual, the industry legend Harrison Gewurz as well as one of my longtime friends in the industry, Max Bergeron from Crack Revenue. What's up, Max? How are we doing? Hey, guys. Very uh, pleased to be, uh, to be here on the podcast. I hit that... I hit that Bergeron pretty hard, didn't I? Oh, yeah, it was uh, on you point. You have to make it like Bergeron and really <laughs> emphasize if you're going French, you got to go for it. So, um, you know, I forgot to mention in my intro, we talked about it. Um, you are the VP of Affiliates and Advertisers at Crack Revenue, which is a Canadian affiliate marketing platform that focuses on the adult and dating verticals. What part of Canada are you talking to us from today? Just curious. Uh, we're from uh, Quebec City. Uh, so close to Montreal for people who don't really know about Canada. So uh, from what you you can hear in my accent, we're from the French part of Canada, which is uh, totally East Coast. So a couple hours from uh, from New York, actually, if you want to um, situate cool. where we are. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm actually going to throw a curveball in our agenda here, but it's nothing you can't manage. So don't don't freak out on me. But uh, I'm curious. I know you've been with Crack for quite a while. I think the first time I met you was back in like 2016 or 17 in Thailand on the rooftop of the hotel, having some adult beverages. I was like, this guy seems cool. We should be friends. So I know you've been there for a while. I'm curious, how long have you been working in the affiliate space, the adult space, as well as um, with crack. And then I'm also curious about your journey from like what your role was when you started and how you got up to be the VP of affiliates and advertisers in the marketing space. So kind of walk me through what that journey was like for you. Yeah. Uh, so you're, uh, you're totally correct. The first time we met was in, uh, was in Thailand. So it's, it's a pretty good start, actually. Um, very good souvenirs from from that moment also. Um, so yeah, I've been with uh, with Crack um, since 2015, so just a year before uh, before we uh, actually met. Um, it's been my my only experience inside affiliate marketing, so I wasn't uh, aware of the affiliate marketing industry before uh, Crack Revenue. I used to work for uh, Apple actually. Uh, so I used to be, um, I was working retail, but I was most into the, uh, technical aspect. Uh, I did some, um, back then they were also offering, uh, one-on-one, one-on-one training for their customers. So I was one of the teachers, uh, uh, on the floor. So basically coaching, uh, customers on how to use their devices, how to use, uh, their, uh, softwares and, stuff like that. Um, Did you enjoy that? Did you enjoy that or not so much? I'm just curious. I used to enjoy it back then uh, because the, I mean, the product were um, 
not so easy to to get and to to understand i mean they were not product for everybody back then which has changed over time meaning that customers are also different uh, today we used to work a lot with professionals so professional photographers professional uh, musicians that were there to uh, record some some stuff on on their Macs. Um, so yeah, it, it was fun for for the time that that I was there. Um, and yeah, so uh, before that, I used to uh, study graphic design actually, <laughs> which is totally not related to Apple and totally not related to what I'm doing today. Um, mm -hmm. I just I just went freestyle from from graphic design to Apple. Obviously, always uh, knew someone who was there and was like, "Hey Max, you should come and work for uh, with us. The company's cool." Na 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 na, na. and um, that's what got me into into uh, Crack Revenue. Um, I used to so, be friend. Yep. I was just gonna say, what was your position when you first got there? Uh, I was athlete manager. So yep. then was it just the amount of time and experience that kind of got you up to VP of affiliates and advertisers? Or did you say, hey, I'm trying to do how, more, how a has, lot more? How has your, your career evolved? So like, what was the step from affiliate manager? Like, where did you go? What What is your like movement in the company been like? Uh, so I did, um, I did one year as an affiliate manager. Um, and I got promoted to team lead after a year. Um, I did two years being, uh, the, uh, team leader and I got promoted to director. And after that I did so five, so five years as the, uh, director of track revenue. And I, uh, became VP a little bit more than over a year now. And was that Just something you asked for or were they like, you're killing it. We want you to be the VP and manage this for us. Well, <laughs> I hope it's a, I hope it's a great mix of, <laughs> of both, <laughs> not just me asking all the time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I think I've been at the right place at the right time. I showed my skills. I just worked hard. Also got uh, great mentors, I think along the way. So people that are really encouraging you to do better, that are giving you good visibility, good tips and tricks on. I mean, how to get better and better every day. So yeah, I'm pretty happy where where I am now. <laughs> so let's pretend I'm a new affiliate. I'm trying to get involved in the adult vertical and I don't really know anything about it. And I say, hey, Max, you're my boy. You can teach me everything you know. Where do I start if I'm trying to get involved in adult? Um, yeah, well, I think that today, um, what I want, what I want people to discover, I hope, is that the adult industry is not is not really far from from you you know the mainstream industries. So, first uh, first tip on how to start, obviously, um, just make sure you have a plan. Just make sure you know where you <laughs> where you're going, or at least that you have an idea of what you want to do. Uh, get familiar with the adult uh, affiliate marketing industry itself uh, get familiar uh, read about uh, compliance legal considerations um, there are a bunch of, of different laws depending on the countries that you're going to work uh, work with 
there's uh, age verification if you're uh, working uh, within the um, within the US. So just do some research before before you uh, you you jump ahead. Um, make sure you do some research on the type of products or services you're uh, planning on promoting. So either it's going to be adult cam, adult dating, adult gaming, adult VOD. So make sure you have an idea of what you want to start with. Um, so I want to jump in real quick. I know like finding a network is probably like one of the first steps. So I'm curious in your opinion, like there's so many networks in this industry as well as in the adult space. So what would be your tip to a new affiliate in terms of finding a network? What should they be looking for? How do they know if it's a network that they're going to vibe with? Is there any advice you could provide to them on that front? Um, first, don't trust all the reviews. <laughs> we all know what the reviews, <laughs> what the reviews are, or most of them. Um, I'd say for me, um, uh, join a join a, an athlete marketing community. So you're going to have a lot of information about the networks are there based on real affiliates experience. And honestly, affiliates that have um, bad experiences with networks, I mean, it's it's easy to, to, to spot it. So if you want to make sure you choose the right one, um, affiliate marketing communities, forums are a good place to start. Are there any specific ones that you uh, might want to shout out? I mean, if you if you don't know on the top of your head, that's cool too. But I'm just curious if like any come to mind that some people might be able to go check out as they're listening to this episode. Well, um, pretty much the same the same forums as for the mainstream affiliate marketing. They all have this uh, adult section, uh, which is full of information. So STM affiliate. Beer Money Forum, they all have an adult section. Um, so yeah, we just we had Luke on recently from Afflift. He's a friend of the pod. Uh, right. Afflift is, I would agree, is a great resource. Um, you know, Offer Vault, great resource. Although we yeah. don't really have reviews and stuff, it's more just uh, uh, an ocean of it allows you to see stuff. what's out there though, and see kind of who has what or you know. And you know who also is on Offer Vault? Crack Revenue. That's right. If you want to check out Crack Revenue's products and offerings, check out their profile on OfferVault.com. So get involved in the communities and stuff. Any tips on like how someone can build up their traffic source? Or again, real, it, real quick, Josh, know. that was a product plug that not even ChatGPT could do. So <laughs> great, great work. I just had to come. Yeah, back. I'm. I'm trying to earn my uh, my my place back. Max, I'm, I'm constantly being threatened to be replaced by ChatGPT. That's that's an ongoing. <laughs> that was like there. a that was big. That was growth from me. I thought you know I, I gave you the opposite of that. So I appreciate it. Thank you. No, it's cool. It goes a long way getting that feedback. Thank you, Harrison. Uh, Max, as a VP of affiliates and advertisers, I'm curious. You know, what's your approach when it comes to working with these affiliates uh, at Crack, and how do you kind of go about? making sure that they find success as an affiliate themselves. What are some tips and advice from your experience on what they should really be focusing on, especially in the adult vertical, like crack network, crack revenue, sorry. Um, well, we've, we've always been a network very open to uh, working with beginners affiliates. Um, it's been our philosophy for, for over 10 years. 
Um, so obviously everything related to uh, communication is very, very important. And that's pretty much the key of our success and the key of the success of our partnerships with, with affiliates. So if you're an affiliate and you want to start uh, within the adult affiliate marketing sphere, make sure you talk to someone. So don't be too, I mean, secretive about what you want to do and everything. I mean, speak to someone, ask to talk to an account manager, uh, go, on the, go on the live chat, talk to someone, tell them what you want to do. This is pretty much the number one tip I would give to any new affiliate. Um, and yeah, just make sure you, you create some kind of relationship with your, with your, with your affiliate manager. That's the, that's the number one tip. Ask them for their knowledge, ask them for tips and tricks. Um, they're basically there to, to help you out, you know? Yeah. I know you were an AF manager when you got started, like you told us before. Speaking of the tips and tricks, and I know it's been a while, so if nothing comes to mind, totally understand. But when you were doing the AM stuff with Crack, do you remember any of the tips and tricks you were giving to the affiliates that you were managing in terms of the verticals like cams and dating and VOD and all that stuff? Well, there's not really like, like one precise tip. Again, my tip would be make sure your affiliate manager is aware of what your what your plan is meaning if you're um if you're if you started building a website if they are aware of what you're building well there's a good chance they will um i don't know they will uh, uh give you something a custom craft for your for your brand uh they can give you um uh promotion tools that are not even on the platform uh, they can go out and seek a new uh, offer payout based on uh, what your uh, what your new audience is. If they're not aware of what you're doing, well, there is a chance they will not be able to help you out as much as they as much as they could. So again, it, it goes back to communication and be uh, be open to 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 collaborate. But I I really think this is the this is the number one tip. Yeah. So as I mentioned before, I know there's a lot of affiliate networks that focus on the adult vertical, like crack revenue, but I'm curious in your opinion, like what are some of the features or characteristics of crack revenue that kind of set it apart from the other adult networks in this space? Is there any like differentiating factors? Is it the people, the passion, um, in your opinion, like why do you think crack is better than the rest as well as what are you guys actually doing that's different, if anything? Well, uh, to begin, I mean, there's a bunch of really great adult affiliate networks out there. There's a bunch of really great um, direct advertisers that are also like providing their, their affiliate program. So, so in no way I want to, uh, <laughs> I want Throw. to, Throw, throw shade. Blame on, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but honestly, I don't think you'll find our level of expertise in the adult industry anywhere else. I mean, we've been there for 20 years doing uh, adult marketing stuff. We've been uh, media buyers for, for uh, 25 plus years. Um, we, we basically like saw it all. 
And we're pretty strict also on compliance, on regulations. We make sure we're updated with everything that's going on when, I mean, inside the industry. So we're very well connected with, with what's happening. Um, we're also um, we're also brand and websites creators. So we're, we're not just an affiliate network. Uh, so we're building our own stuff. We have a site. Uh, that's called uh, jerkmate.com, which is a campsite that we that we built from scratch. So we're more than a network. We're an SEO agency. Uh, we're a design agency. We can help you with your with your creatives, with your uh, development needs, with your SEO strategy. So I don't think there are many other companies that can offer affiliates as much as we can in a 360 way. So I think that's very different from from what you're gonna get in in other places, obviously. Yeah, and you mentioned compliance. I just had a question pop into my head. Um, how do you guys like stay on top of that if you're if you know how? And um, like, what are some things that go on in the adult space like that change where you have to like change your compliance? Like, is there a real world example maybe somewhat recently of something that changed in the space and it caused you guys to have to change your compliance and your terms and your conditions and all that kind of stuff or is it generally like big picture typically kind of stay the same for the most part well a lot of things uh, have been changing for the past i'd say maybe five years or probably at a different pace than than before um Obviously, some some of these changes they take time. They take a lot of time. Um, so for for a certain period, I mean, new regulations and new compliance laws and everything, uh, you just have to be aware that there's something going on and make sure you prepare in case there is a change. Um, I mean, everything related to 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 um, to Pornhub was in the media. I mean. Everybody saw it. Everybody knows about it. Um, we 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 just want to make sure that that we're out there that we're that we're aware of any new updates. So right now, there, can you there are, can you remind our users what happened with Pornhub? Just for anyone who's not familiar with that. Uh, yeah, I I rather not go into uh, oh, okay. if you're if you're okay with that. I'm not sure if you yeah. If you, not sorry. <laughs> no, don't worry. It's all good, man. Yeah, it's all good. Um, so I'm curious in terms of some of the biggest challenges you encounter when it comes to running an adult focused network. You know, a lot of times we have people that talk about the affiliate side of things. And I'm curious, you know, to get your take on it as the kind of the bigger picture, the network itself. So specifically related to the adult space, what are um, some of the biggest challenges you encounter when running a network in that vertical? Um, I'd say um, advertiser and affiliate credibility is one of them. So maintaining a reputation for uh, credibility and reliability can be difficult in the adult industry, um, which has historically been associated with scams and you know low quality uh, products. So building trust among both uh, advertisers and affiliates is definitely an ongoing challenge. Um, branding and marketing challenges <laughs> are also uh, uh, can also be very difficult. So marketing adult content can also be uh, challenging due to restrictions on advertising platforms. 
uh, social media. So we all know, I mean, there are some social media that are adult friendly, like, like Twitter. Um, yeah. But I'm assuming like meta is probably not right. Meta is definitely not. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so how do like, how do you guys, do you do anything with them? I mean, I'm assuming you have a profile, but you probably keep it pretty, uh, pretty mainstream on there. Yeah. Uh, we're not doing anything on, on meta, uh, related to, to adult offers. I know affiliates that are, that are doing some, um, I mean, you have to, you have to, to get very creative with your, with your strategies, obviously. Um, but I mean, it's doable. Definitely. Now let's talk about management a little bit. This is kind of a common theme on our show. Because I think a lot of people who are managers can benefit from it. I think people who are being managed can benefit that benefit from it that are trying to get to that management level. So what's Max's approach to management and how do you kind of uh, define your style in terms of when you have people working with you, working below you, trying to, you know, help motivate them to be better? What's your kind of take on all that? Um, that's a good question. Well, I said it earlier at the beginning of, of the podcast. I mean, I'm not coming from, from a manager background. So I totally learned from, from the people I've been, I've been managed by. Um, I'm only 37. So in my personal career, I think I'm kind of a young manager. Um, yeah, I'm very human. Uh, very, I think I'm a good listener. So my team would probably say that I talk too much, but I think I'm a good listener. So, you know, I, I mean, I encourage autonomy and decision-making. Um, I want people to succeed and I want them to, to become better and better. And I don't think you can achieve that by giving people all the answers all the time. So yeah, I'm on, I'm, I'm really into like continuous uh, coaching and that's funny because um, coming from my my background and at Apple, I used to teach uh, people, you know, how to use uh, iPhotos, how to use uh, iTunes back then. And uh, one of the things they they um, they were um, telling us to do back then, and it was like a golden rule: you couldn't uh, you couldn't point anything on the screen. So you can never give answers to the people who want to learn something. So you always have to um, make people reflect on what they wanted to do so they could find the answers themselves. So I'm kind of like applying like similar rules to, to how I'm coaching my team today as a manager. I mean, if you're coming to me with a problem that you have, I will probably discuss about it for 30 minutes just to make sure you do the you do the path in your head um, instead of me giving you the the right answer or the wrong answer. So yeah, I'm very I, again. I think I'm very human. That being said, knowing the level of energy I'm giving people every day, um, I also ask for the same level of energy in return. So I'm really into. Obviously, I'm into results. Uh, otherwise, I wouldn't have this this job today, probably. But I'm also very much into um, efforts. I mean, I require my team to be very open in sharing what they're uh, trying to accomplish and how they're doing it 
and not just the final results. So I think this is this is what my I wish I hope my I hope this is my, what my team is is living every day. So we're just one big team helping each other out and and making making sure we uh, we succeed. How many people are you actually uh, like? How many people are on your team right now? I'm just curious. Uh, so right now we'd be uh, around uh, 25. Wow, that seems like overwhelming. <laughs> But yeah, I'm but, sure for someone managing like 5,000, they're probably like, what? <laughs> yeah, but, uh, I mean, I, I really have great people on my team. So yeah. obviously I'm not, the, I'm not the only one. And what's your like management approach to failure? You know, that's also something we discuss a lot. And then before I give you like my take, um, how do you kind of approach failure? Is it like a one strike policy? Is it depends on the instance? Um, what do you think? Well, I think, first of all, I think failure is inevitable. That, that's for sure. Um, my personal take on failure would be um, just make sure you're not failing a second time based on the exact same thing. So if you made a mistake, just make sure you don't do that same exact mistake twice. Just make sure you take action and... I mean, if there's something broken, just fix it so it doesn't happen like a second time. So this is my 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 only golden rule about failure would be every time you make a mistake, just make sure you fix it at this exact same moment. And if you're going from one mistake to the other and that you're fixing your stuff along the way, I mean, it can only go better and better you're going to fail at some point. You're going to fail. That's unless, sure. unless you're Max Bergeron, because Max never <laughs> Unless <fails>, you're right? me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to ask, like, was there a time in your uh, AM days or even now in your VP days, like, has there been a, a massive learning experience that you went through from a failure? Does anything come to mind? Or is it like that's just kind of part of the role and nothing jumps out to you? I think one of the things I, I really learned from was to um, was to not mix, um, I mean, not trusting, to, to not, um, like, to not mix not trusting your people. Not being able to delegate. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, at some point, um, mm, well, what I really want to say, sorry. Um, no need to apologize. This is a chill podcast, man. We could we could do whatever you want here. Go ahead, though. I mean, I've had people in my team um, again last week, and they were they were still confusing like micromanagement and um, not taking the time to make sure they were supporting like a specific initiative. So there's a difference between you don't want to look over uh, the shoulder of your employees because you don't want to give them the feeling that you're micromanaging them. But if you're not doing a certain level of like monitoring, you're basically doing, in my opinion, the opposite of being a good manager. 
So just make sure you're not, not monitoring stuff only because you think it's micromanagement. So there's a fine line between, between those two. And if you're not doing it, well, you're probably missing on something. So one more question related to that, and then we'll move on here. But I'm curious, this kind of just popped in my head with your answer there. How do you determine the fine line? You know, in your experience, I mean, I've had issues with micromanaging. You could also call it just control, trying to control everything going on, right? Sometimes it's very freeing to let go and just trust other people, realize some things aren't within your control. So I think it kind of relates. And I'm curious in your experience, like, how do you determine that fine line? How do you how do you find that balance? Does it just come with trust, which comes from your team proving to you that you don't have to do it? Or is it more coming from you kind of letting go and just not trying to control as much? Well, um, I'm going to give you like a real example, and it, it might it might be easier to, to understand that way. Um, we're very um, we're very strict on on, on you know uh, documentation, uh, making sure our uh, CRM is up to date all the time with what's happening with uh, with our affiliates. So either based on uh, uh, emails or you know if I opened an affiliate account in the CRM, like I want to make sure I have all the informations that are up to date. So. I want my managers to make sure the CRM is up to date, you know? So from my point of view, micromanaging that part would be to go and ask the affiliate manager like, hey, did you do your CRM update? Uh, can you uh, open it to me? Can you, uh, uh, did, you uh, did you put that email you sent into this uh, affiliate account? So for me, that would be micromanagement. You mean, I mean, talking to the effort manager, asking it for, for results. You can do the exact same thing without talking to the effort manager. I mean, you can make sure you have like a self-service report inside Salesforce and make sure you go see if the CRM is up to date. So in my mind, micromanagement is often related to, I'm just like annoying you for updates, all the time, making sure you do your job. Yeah. You can do the exact same thing, but just don't, just make sure you're not annoying your staff every time to ask them for updates. Because if they're doing, if they're doing their job, the information is already there. And if you're a good manager, you know, you know where to, where to look for. So Harrison, Harrison, I know you got a lot of experience with managing teams and stuff. How do you kind of balance that line of micromanagement versus no management, right? You know, I was asking, as you heard, I was asking Max, like, is it based on trust and experience or uh, do you have a different take on that? Well, I, I love the question. I think, uh, you know, Adam and I take a very trusting approach in terms of how we manage and how we kind of give team members the keys, metaphorically speaking. Um, I'll tell a story about someone years and years ago that was on our team. Um, this is like five years ago or so. We were really, we were working on a bunch of things. And this person um, was doing a great job, crushing it. And they came to me on Skype and they went, hey Harrison, like what's going on? You haven't like messaged me in like a week. Is, are you mad at me? Did I do something? Is everything wrong? And I was like, no bro. 
you're fucking crushing it. <laughs> like you're good. Like I've just been working on X, Y, and Z. You're killing A, B, C, D, and E. Like I didn't need to bother you because you're doing a great job. And he kind of went, oh shit, I see. Like it, it was like a light bulb moment for him. And for me, it was like, hey, like I appreciate the feedback. I'm going to communicate more with you. Like I'll keep you in touch and you know, I'll keep things in touch when I need to like let you know, but like, don't worry, I got you, bro. And it, it was really helpful to him just like know that. And, you know, I think that's kind of an easy story to summarize. Like when we have, you know, team members that are operating at, you know, as a well-oiled machine and they're cruising, I don't necessarily need to get in the way. At the same time, like communication is key. I think having like weekly calls or monthly calls or updates that are shared in a group environment allow for kind of some constant communication to still be there when things need to get done or things break or whatever. There's always like some line of communication and accountability. But, you know, I think the babysitting or handholding mentality can also frustrate people that want to grow and want to show you that they can freaking crush it. But they're like, why is why, why am I being babysat? Like I'm doing a good job. So, you know, there's obviously a happy medium, but that's just kind of what my experience has been like from like a management and leadership perspective over the years. Yeah, I think most Pete. Oh, go ahead, Max. I mean, what what I was about to say is that, um, well, the the pandemic and and having more people working remote um, is definitely a, a bigger challenge for for managers than it used to be a couple of years ago, in my opinion. I mean, here in Canada, we were um, we were not so used to uh, working with people. On, on remote locations. So basically we had everybody at the office every time. So mm-hmm. all of a sudden everything changed from, from one day to another. So all the managers, basically they had to change the whole way they were, I mean, monitoring the operation and, and coaching their coaching their staff. So it's, it's definitely a, a, a big challenge and it still is. Yeah, I think it's kind of a shock to the system for people that aren't used to it. You know, sometimes people are like very much micromanaged or maybe they're getting tons of positive feedback and that's how they know they're doing their job well, you know. And then if they go to a new system and it's like, oh, shit, I'm not hearing from my superior. He must be pissed at me or something. But I think it's actually a much more productive relationship because you're not wasting energy focusing on it. They're not wasting energy having to babysit you. So I think it's probably something that people should maybe consider switching their management approach to if they're not already doing it. Obviously it depends on having the right also, people as well. You know, also just sorry to jump in, jump in. Uh, people have different kind of reactions to how they're managed. So you might have an employee that really does need more handholding or, you know, guidance and that's fine, but then you may have someone that wants to cruise. And so I would say not, utilizing a one size fits all approach to like how you Mm -hmm. lead and interact and grow with your team is also important because, you know, someone might have really incredible, you know, skills, but they just need to have you on the phone with them for, you know, a couple hours every week or an hour a week, just to kind of give them, you know, to get clear their head or whatever. And then other people like the gentleman who I just mentioned, who, you know, Josh, but I'll tell you offline, uh, was like, was like, yo dog, what the fuck? are you mad at me? And I was like, no, I fucking love you, bro. Let's, let's ride. And so, you know, that's kind of just, everyone's different. Yeah. I like, I used to think that communication is key was so 
generic as as a quote. But honestly, today I think I think every everything is about communication. That's the number one point. If you're nailing communication, like everything should be fine. Max, I got one more question for you before we let you get out of here. And let's take it back to adult, right? So I'm curious. I know, as you mentioned before, like a lot of people have a lot of opinions about adult, right? In terms of mainstream versus not or versus adult, right? Maybe I should have said dating, but what are I some of the- interrupt. I asked the question that I got to say something about the adult industry because it'll it'll really help Max on his answer, I think. All right, cool. Before I was so rudely interrupted, what are some of the myths that you hear constantly in the adult space that you feel just aren't true? And before you answer that, let me pass it back to my co-host, Harrison. Sorry, my ADD just couldn't hold back. I've had like six cold brews today. I'm legitimately shaking. Um, I was just going to say that people definitely jump to conclusions about the adult industry. And simply put, they just have way more fun than the mainstream industry. You should go to like a webmaster access or one of these adult shows like i've never been huge in the adult industry but a couple years ago i ended up at an adult uh conference to meet with some bank partners that i was working with a long time ago and like everyone is so cool and i had so much fun with these people there was like 26 people at this dinner i did, did business with two of them all 26 of those people are like still my friends i've done like four dollars in business with them and that's like i bought them a drink so go ahead. I just had to say that because you guys are lit. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate that. And that's funny because uh, before uh, before uh, starting this podcast, uh, I was watching the um, the podcast you made with uh, Stefan, and I I only could watch the the five first minutes, and I was like, he was talking about. <laughs> I, I don't remember exactly what he said, but I was like, ah, that's cool. Uh, so go watch the, the podcast with uh, with Stefan. Uh, so yeah. So in your yeah, in your opinion, what are the myths about adult from your experience with crack, as well as an AM and a VP, just everything like that? Well, I think I think a lot of people they still think that uh, that the adult is easy money, you know. Uh, so the perception that the adult industry guarantees easy and and quick money related to to asset marketing. So in reality. Uh, just like any other business, success in the adult industry requires, well, dedication, hard work, uh, strategic approach. Um, so obviously, while there might be potential for profitability, that's that's for sure. Uh, I mean, it's not a guaranteed path. Um, second myth, uh, probably probably related, uh, related to the lack of, of ethics. Um, so the myth would be to assume that all adult content uh, is uh, inherently unethical or, or immoral. Um, so again, in reality, ethical considerations are, are relevant in every industry, including the adult sphere. Uh, there are responsible adult content producers and marketers who prioritize uh, consent, respect, transparency in their work. So again, one of the biggest myths from the, from the adult athlete marketing. Um, there, there's also a myth about the um, limited audience uh, related to the affiliate, uh, adult affiliate marketing industry. So assuming that the audience for adult content is limited, um, obviously this, this is kind of changing mostly because, you know, stuff like OnlyFans, they, they really did like an amazing job of like 
making the adult industry more mainstream-ish. Um, so obviously it's it's changing. So um, and probably the the last one, um, like it's an older myth, I think. Um, related to the, you know, the lack of prof uh, profes uh, professionalism um, about the uh, adult industry. So assuming that professionals in the adult industry, they lack professionalism. So again, in reality, just like any other industry, just like any other network, the adult industry includes individuals who are very dedicated, very skilled, committed to maintaining like high standards, uh, again, there are great companies out there, great advertisers, great affiliates, great people from the community. So, yeah. Well, Max, I just want to thank you for coming on the Affiliate Marketing Show. It's always a pleasure to have a longtime friend of mine like yourself on here to catch up and chat. For myself, Josh from OfferVault.com, as well as the industry legend Harrison Gewurz and Maxime Bergeron, the VP of Affiliates and Advertisers at Crack Revenue. Let's make that paper. Let's make that dough. This was the Affiliate Marketing Show. We will see you next time, everybody. Take care.